When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. That's true. That's true. All right. We're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. Let's, let's make it happen. I'm excited. Right. Are you sure? Let's, right. put it, let's put it this way. Of the, of the things that I've done the past two days, uh, this, this is up there. This is this is the more positive of the groups? This, this is this is better than, than, than getting uh, operated on while I was still awake. So this is good. Yeah. No. And then just having them stare at you the whole time is just not great. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, here we go. Uh, Travis Shear, Shear is on with us again to talk about all the wonderful things uh, that have to deal with college prospects and, and the names that you're going to need to know coming up into your first year player drafts. Um, and Travis, hello. Welcome. Good to hear from you again for the third time that we're trying to record this pod. Hi, I'm excited. It, it can only get better. That's right. It can only get better. There is absolutely no way it could get worse. Uh, so Travis uh, threw out a list of names that we're going to run through um, that you should start considering uh, as you prepare for your first-year player drafts. Um, and these are all college bats. But Travis, before uh, I forget, uh, you've been very active at Pitcher List. Are you going to have any articles coming up about these specific players? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's hard to tell if uh, I will do anything about a lot of college players right now, especially since the uh, the minor league season has has just started. I, I, I'm I'm really starting to look at some of those games because um, we've got able to have a very good sample size of college players at this point. Um, if somebody really pops up, like if like Hunter Bishop, I did a couple weeks ago. If something like that happens again, I certainly will write about it. But right now, I'm more. I'm going to be more focused on watching some single A games and maybe some high A games to, to get a, to get a look at some of the more uh, prominent, lower level minor, uh, prospects that we that are out there right now. Okay. Well, um, well, in that case, then this is your one pod for right now, and then maybe as the uh, the time grows closer, we may drop a few articles on these players specifically. Um, and just so that everybody knows. Um, we are going to have uh, some really cool stuff coming out with the podcast over the next few months. We're going to be interviewing multiple minor league players and dropping podcasts with them specifically. Um, if you are interested in any specific names for AAA players in the International League, uh, that will be coming through the Durham Bulls area because that's where I will be able to interview them. Uh, shoot me a DM uh, or send me a tweet and I will be sure to try to add them to the list. Um, but for now, Travis, let's talk about some players that are not yet drafted or better yet, were almost drafted by a very successful Atlanta Braves organization but decided not to sign with them. And that is right-hander Carter Stewart. What do the listeners need to know about Carter Stewart? <clears throat> well, Carter Stewart's a mixed bag. Um, he was picked in the top 10 of last year's uh, of last year's draft by the Braves. Um, he was thought of to be maybe the best prep arm in in the draft at that point. And and that's and that's saying a lot because the draft had some pretty good prep arms. Um the only thing is, they found the Braves found something on his uh, on his um, medical uh, report that said that they didn't like, and we don't really even know what it is. Um, I've never, I haven't seen anything that says what it actually was, but 
it caused them to lower their offer, which made Carter Stewart go to the International League, or uh, not the International League, excuse me, go to uh, JC Ball. And so right now he's playing um, for like, uh, let me see, Eastern Florida State College. And he's got kind of a, when he started, the, the, the reports were looking like he was a little out of shape. His velocity was off. He was kind of getting hit by um, by some of these uh, JC guys, which I mean, Eastern Florida State is a is a pretty good JC is in a pretty good JC league, kind of like the Ari- kind of like the Arizonas and the uh, and the um, Nevada leagues. Those are those are leagues that, that generally have guys that are, uh, a number of guys that are drafted. <clears throat> so, like that's not it's not big that he's necessarily getting hit by those guys, but when your velocity's off. And you're getting hit, throws up a few red flags, especially when you already had like a a, a so-so a so-so help report uh, for your physical. Um, from what I've what I've seen though, the velocity's starting to tick back up, and he's starting to have a little bit more success. But he's still not anywhere near the same pitcher he was just a year ago. Like I don't know if right now he's even a first-round pick. If he is, he's right at the end. Would you say that maybe the Braves found that he has a super punchable face? Because to me, he looks like the villain from A Christmas Story. And so that might be the issue. Any I thoughts can tell you on that? that? If, they, if they brought that up in negotiations, it might make me want to leave. Okay. okay. So, so you're not saying that that could be the reason why. And not ruling it out. Not ruling it out. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's jump over to another uh, arm that actually uh, I've jumped back and forth on in the two different recordings that we've had, but I genuinely like this guy. He's a lanky lefty, and he's out of Texas Christian University, a.k.a. TCU, um, and that is Nick Lodolo. Uh, why should we care about this? Uh, I guess he's a junior now, right? Or sophomore. Why should we care no, about this? he's junior. He's yeah, a he's, junior. he's Why should a, we care about the junior? He's draft eligible this year. He was drafted. Um, he was a sandwich pick, I believe, in, in uh, 2016, uh, which was a pretty good year also for for uh, high school pitchers. Um, he decided to go to K- TCU instead. He is he's a pretty big guy. One of the things that that I like about him is that even though he doesn't have elite velocity yet, he's he's about six five and like and like 175, 180 pounds. So there's a lot of room to project that he would get that the velocity will tick up a little bit, which will play well for him. Because right now he's sitting around 92, 94, and touches 95. Um, if he goes up at all, that's that's near elite velocity. He's also pairing that with what you would call, what some people call a slider and some people call a curve. It looks to me a lot like Josh Beckett's curve, where it's not like that big sweeping hook. It's kind of like a fast curveball, if you, if you get what I mean. Like mm-hmm. it just drops in there pretty quickly. And then he's got a decent change. I mean, it's not a plus pitch, not like the cur- not like the uh, breaking ball or the or the potential of the fastball. The change is is more between like average to plus, which could end up becoming plus. So I, I like him. He plays in a good conference, um, and he's doing very well. He's he's uh, seen a significant um, improvement this year over his last couple years. I mean, like this year he's got a he's got a one five two ERA with sixty eight. Ks in 53 innings and and um, that is while it's while they're not like Tim Lincecum's numbers or something like that it's 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 enough to to make you want to think about picking him around around anywhere between five and fifteen in the major league draft which is pretty good for a college pitcher yeah I mean I'm watching the videos of him right now and and his delivery is compact and it's tight and it's quick and I like to see that I don't like to see as many levers being pulled. Um, when a pitcher's go, uh, going through their motions, uh, and he has some really crisp stuff, so yeah. I'm I'm very interested in him and just the way he gets to the mound quickly uh, or gets to the plate quickly. Um, the way that he approaches it, I think, is just I'm, I'm interested in him and and anybody that's kind of a tall lefty like in the mold of like an AJ Puck, I'm kind of in on. So yeah, I don't think he has the curve of an AJ Puck, but he's he's got it. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's really hard to do when you're that big, um, especially that length. Well, just that big in general is to have a compact motion. I mean, usually the longer you are, the harder it is to repeat. You have to be a little bit more athletic to kind of um, maintain that consistency, I guess we could call it, right. with, with your mechanics. Right. So um, outside of those two arms, is there anybody else that you feel like the listeners need to know or consider as they move ahead? Uh, one guy who's kind of turned it on lately has been Zach Thompson out of Kentucky. 
he had a he had a kind of a rough start at the beginning, but um, since we've got actually gotten into SEC play, which is you know the best probably the best conference in the country uh, this year, um, he's actually done quite a bit better and and dropped his ERA. He's now at a two point zero six with uh, ERA with sixty eight Ks and forty three and forty three innings. Um, he is a very he's a very solid pitcher. He can t- he can hit ninety seven. Uh, he's done that before. He sits he sits uh, probably around ninety four. He's got he's got a he's kind of one of those guys that his is above average at everything at this point, which is which I'm is I'm fine with with a lefty who's in college. Um, he's got a he's got a pretty good fastball, a pretty good slider, a curveball that could be that could easily be plus, and a decent change. So. Um, it's hard to tell if those things have gotten dramatically better, but I would assume something has changed even a little bit for him to face harder competition but have better results. Okay. So you said he has a fastball, curveball, changeup. That's his... He's got a slider, too. He's got four pitches. Yes, he's got four pitches. Yeah, when I'm looking at the video here, it looks like it's 12-6 on the, on the curve, um, which is fine. I just, I, I'm looking at it and thinking it's a little loopy, but... It's nothing that, that can't be corrected or adjusted as he grows. And and he's got the frame to be a pitcher. So, I mean, lefties, I feel like, are kind of your jam right now. We've seen, we've talked pretty much exclusively lefties. Is that true or no? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, like, I think that lefties have a better chance of success in general. And that's, I mean, like, that's why you don't see a lot of right-handed pitchers, first of all, be picked first in the, in the uh, major league drafts. They just uh, aren't valued as highly. Like, uh, for example, Hunter Green uh, was—I think that was two years ago—was probably about as projectable as you could get for a first round for a, a guy to go one-one, and he didn't just because he was right-handed. If he was left-handed, he probably would have. It's more of an industry thing than my thing. Um, I one of the—I think it's also just we're we're talking about what's available this year, and and when it comes to pitchers who are playing in. Uh, really good conferences for high profile teams that are projectable. There's not a lot in college. There's a lot of guys that are in, in um, lower uh, or uh, smaller conferences. There's smaller schools. There's, there's uh, I can name a couple of guys for you to keep, to keep a look at um, Ryan Pepio from Butler. He, he looks like he's pretty good. George Kirby from Elon is probably going to go pretty high. He's a first round pick, probably somewhere between 15 and 25. He's got a really good fastball curveball changeup and then there's Noah Song from Navy those three guys are are kind of guys one of them or two of them could pop up uh after the draft and 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 make some noise but right now it's hard to tell when you don't face uh, a lot of really top competition um and then and I think that the reason for that is is that the year that these guys um could have been drafted and some many of them may have been would have been was 2016 and that was a really really good year for um, high school pitchers and a lot of them ended up just being drafted while a lot of these guys stayed home so these guys a number of these guys could have been in in uh, college but they decided to skip it I mean that's the year of, of Ian Anderson and and uh, and Riley Pint and um, let's see who else who else was there I miss, I miss Riley Pint I wish he was better he's just not and yeah it's also so. Forrest Whiteley's uh, you know it's also Forrest Whiteley's year Jay, Jay Groom. There's a lot of guys in this in that year. Dakota Hudson that that all could have been um, really top college players. That they all just kind of opted out and went into high school or went into the went into the pros. Which you know nobody's going to say you shouldn't do that. It's just that that's what we're looking at right now. Another one would be Matt Manning. Well, there's a lot of guys from 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 that year in prep that we're now seeing in the upper levels of the minors or the mid levels of the minors and doing really well. And they would have done, you know, probably just as well or better in college at this point. So let's transition over to some bats for a little bit. And there are three names that you brought up that you wanted to discuss. That's Cameron Misner out of Missouri, uh, mm-hmm. Hunter Bishop, who is in California, Cal? Is he at Cal? He's, he's Arizona State. Arizona State. And then Josh Young out of Texas Tech. Uh, where do you want to go first? Uh, let's go with, with Hunter Bishop. I think that... Uh, I like him the best out of those three guys. Um, to me, he's the most athletic. He's got he's um, from what I've seen. He's turn. He did not have the best swing at all entering 
maybe not entering this year, but before this year started. But now he's got a pretty good, uh, sw- a pretty compact swing with not a lot of noise that just moves forward. It's really, I, I really like what he's done. He comes from a family that's athletic. Um, his what does his that brother, mean? his brother Braden Bishop is a Seattle Mariner right now. Um, oh, it just means oh, is that, that what this is about? Is that what this uh, is about? No, we figure this that out. That is definitely not what this is about. No, no, no. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Seattle stuff. All right, uh, go ahead. At this point, he's he he's probably the the uh, the leader for the Golden Spikes Award, I would say, which is given out to the best college player. Right now, he's hitting four seventeen, and he's slugging ten uh, ten with uh, sixteen home runs, and he's got ten stolen bases. He's definitely a five tool player. Uh, that seems to be like he's kind of a late bloomer because he was not very good just a year ago, and now he's might be the best player all around in the country. Okay. And uh, let's talk about Cameron Misner a little bit. He's a tooled-up outfielder out of Missouri, uh, a left-hander, no doubt. Um, And he was a 2017 freshman All-American. And then this year, he's been doing – or, I'm sorry, and then in 2018, he he did very well. He posted a 360 in 34 games. Uh, He had a little bit of pop in those four home runs, but he definitely had uh, some doubles to triples power. So – um, what is it that really kind of sticks out to you about Cameron Misner? Well, the thing that I kind of want to talk about Miz, uh, talk about Misner is that I think that he is being a little bit overrated at this point. Um, right now, I still see a lot of projections of him being a top ten player, and I'm not. And if those are defensive based, which they could be, and I mean, I'm totally fine with that. But his offense has taken what I would consider a step back this year. He's um, essentially. He hasn't really improved on his plate discipline. His uh, his BABIP has kind of come back down to normal, which has then dropped his average to an unacceptable level. In my in my opinion, in college baseball, if you're hitting 260, um, you should not be considered a uh, any kind of an impact bat at all. Um, I'm not saying that that will that won't change, but at the same time, it's just not there right now. The power is about as about the same. It hasn't really gotten better, and this is the year that you would your junior year is when you would want to see if it hasn't already it really start to come together. If you can't find a power stroke by your junior year, um, it's going to be hard going forward to find that unless you happen to get placed with a with a forward thinking uh, organization. Um, he's got speed. He, he does have some speed, and that and that's going to help uh, probably with his development. But right now, I just think that he has. Um, not gone the right direction and I would I would avoid him in drafts if it were me right now. I think I'm surprised by what you're saying though. I mean the average yeah has definitely taken a huge step back. He went from 360 last year to 261 this year. But his OBP really hasn't stifled all that much. He has a 23.8% walk rate this year. So he's walked a ton in 111 at bats. Um and I mean, yeah, the the pop's not there yet, and the average has suffered. But he's getting on base. He's showing an eye and, and a level of patience that maybe you need in order to develop and become a polished hitter. No, I mean, you could look at it that way. That's that's not the way that I see it. Um, and that's only because generally, even in the SEC, you're going to face a number of pitchers that are just not even going to be as good as pitchers that you would see in low A. And if you can't uh, make contact with a lot of those pitchers, it's going to spell trouble for you in the later in the uh, once once you get drafted and start facing better pitchers. That's more what I'm worried about. I mean, like it is it certainly is possible that that he's just not seeing a lot of pitches. I mean, I don't watch a lot of Missouri. I got to say, so that that could be the case. Nobody I mean, I know does. That Nobody does with Missouri. Anything yeah. in Missouri, just you kind of gloss over it. It's literally flyover country. So that's. Good. <laughs> I mean that's the kind of thing that has that does happen in some in some conferences. Not as much in the SEC, but like it did happen with Seth Beer a couple of years ago when he was with Florida. He had that huge season in 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 um in his freshman year, and then he started just really stopped. I really just stopped seeing a lot of pitches in the zone, and, and it kind of affected him. I mean, we could be seeing something like that here, although I think it's a lot less likely because he wasn't as dominant as you would normally see a player um to, that would get that kind of treatment. But it's possible. Yeah. I mean, the strikeout rate has definitely increased with the walk rate. And I'm just looking at it from an extra base hit percentage on Baseball Cube. 
He hasn't mm-hmm. dropped significantly. His OBP and everything has dropped from 2018, but it hasn't dropped, in my opinion, at an alarming rate. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's definitely definitely a guy that may have been overrated, but he's not somebody that I'm totally out on at this point. So, all right. And then no, the- I get that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you, that, that, uh, you know, definitely don't get him, but I, I, there's a, there's, there's probably 10, 15 guys I would rather have at this point, And then I would consider looking at him. And when I, what I mean by that is they're not all college guys, but a lot of them, but obviously there would be some high school guys in there too. So, um, uh, of, of the guys that maybe you'd take before him is one of them, my guy, Josh Young. Uh, one of them probably is your guy, Josh Young. Okay, so uh, think, so why why should I be more excited about him than I already am? I don't, I don't know if I should be more excited. I, I mean, like I think he has a better outlook. Uh, he 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 definitely demonstrates a better um, approach when he's at the plate. He doesn't swing as much out of the out of the zone. He he uh, doesn't strike out as much. The only thing that kind of concerns me about him is that he's he hasn't been able to maintain his power which is not not necessary it could just be bad luck and that and i mean like those home runs have been doubles this year which is just fine i mean last year he hit 12 home runs in 65 games we're already about a, over a third into that and he only has two but he also has more du- he's also on a and a on a rate to hit more doubles than he did last year so i mean like this could definitely just be a case of bad luck or he had home runs that were just at the at the wall last year it's hard to tell without a lot of uh um like trackman data but um still as generally with guys like him who have size i mean the guy's 16 to 15 power could come uh a lot quicker he could change the launch angle and it just could it just could fly off for him i just have a I have a more of a feeling that he has, uh, he can make, he'll be able to make contact at the next level and the level after that, as opposed to um, Misner right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested. I posting an 18 plus percent walk rate, and then, like you said, the power hasn't been there uh, this year, but he definitely is getting those extra base hits. Uh, he plays third base. Um, do you think that he stays there over time? Do you think he's projectable there, or do you think that he will end up moving into the outfield? I mean, at this point, he's he's probably about. Uh, I mean, college players are, are as tall as they're going to get, so I don't see any reason why. The only the only reason that could could potentially keep him from doing that is is you know not staying in shape. I think he project the glove is fine and the arm is fine, um, and he's definitely got the body type for it. So yeah. Okay. All right. So we talked about a few bats um, and we talked about a few arms and I kind of want to jump around here um, because there are, I think there was a couple other guys that you really want to touch on uh, and, and they are your guys and I'm just going to bring up one of them and then I'm going to save the best for last. So, and I did this before, Adley, 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 Adley Reichman, Reichman. Yep, yeah. that guy. Tell me about him. Why? Why Let's, should people be as excited about? You're just smiling, like you're giddy about him. I just say his name, and you just get excited. So tell me, tell me why everybody else should be as excited as you are. Well, it's it's rare that you see a finished product in college baseball. Well, I rare mean, is I see right now. Let's tell, tell. He's me. in Oregon State. He's a catcher. He's a, he's a junior catcher from Oregon State. Um, I think that he is the top catching prospect in all of baseball. I mean, anybody who's in the mid right right now. I mean, if you if, if he were to be drafted, I think he you could put him in high A to double A, and he'd be just fine from both a defensive standpoint and an offensive standpoint. Um, I'm I'm just thinking back at at the number of players that I can remember who just kind of who come from college and can could pretty much step right into the pros. And the list isn't that high. I mean, you have Steven Strasburg and Tim Lincecum and Buster Posey. Um, and I'm sure there are a few others. Probably Bryce Harper could have done it. But, like, there's not very few. Reichman fits that mold. He's he's by far the uh, number one pick. I think it's a consensus at this point, which is really rare, especially this early. I mean, we are still two months from the draft. A lot could happen. I mean, in barring a major injury, and that would be something like his shoulder or his knee, since he's a catcher, he's going to be number one. And that's because he combines a terrific play, 
uh, plate discipline. Right now, he's got a walk rate of 31% and a strikeout rate of half of that. Um, along with, he's starting to get more power. And this is something that we saw with Buster Posey when he was at Florida State. And that was the power numbers, or the the, uh, the batting average on base numbers were great in, in, in uh, his sophomore year. They were Posey's were better in his freshman year than uh, Reichman's are, but then in the junior year, the power started to come, which uh, we're, Reichman's only played, he's played less than half the games that he played in, in 2018, and he already has almost to- uh, equaled his total of nine home runs for that season. He's slugging 774 right now with his on-base percentage of almost 600. Um, the defense is fantastic. He he probably doesn't have the strongest arm in the in the uh, class, but it's the second. The strongest would be uh, Shea Langliers from Baylor, but um, he's a great he's a great uh, game caller. He can he he can handle himself behind the plate. He's athletic. He's just got everything you want. He's he's a finished product. So let's let's uh, play a would you rather uh, game for this in, in the catchers, and I'm going to uh, then throw some cold water on catching prospects for a minute. Uh, so first off, would you rather uh, Reichman, 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 yep, yeah, or Joey Bart? I'd rather have Reichman. Okay, and would you rather have uh, Reichman or would you rather have Danny Jansen? Reichman. Okay. Would you rather have Reichman or hmm? I'm trying to think of a good catching prospect right now. One of the one of the higher end guys. Uh boy. Well, oh, there's, there's like Kai Barberese, there's nah. Dalton Barsho. Because no. I feel like Joey Bart's higher than both of them, right? Joey Bart is Joey Bart's probably number two on that list, I would think. Oh, okay, so so you have Reichman as number one prospect overall, no matter what. I think right now, yes. He's he's the one that combines the best bat with the best um, with the best glove and the best arm. Okay, so, so. so if we were to talk about like current major leaguers, right? Yeah, where would you say like if if Reichman were to start from day one, would you have him ranked where num- number what overall? Uh, for fantasy purposes, mm-hmm. he's in the top ten for sure. Um, I would, I mean that, that, and that has nothing to do with um, has more to do with the lack of catching depth. I mean, like I would expect him to struggle at the major league level the first year just because the change has got to be so different from college. But I wouldn't expect him to be. Worse than tenth. Okay, so do you have him above Francisco Mejia? Yeah, definitely. Okay. From a offensive standpoint, yes. And then you uh, obviously then you have to have him above uh, Jorge Alfaro and and Bar- oh, Buster yeah. Posey. Well, I don't know about Buster Posey. I mean, Buster Posey is still pretty useful offensively, even if he doesn't have the power. I mean, like I still see Buster Posey hitting two eighty, two ninety. Even if he's not going to hit ten home runs, I don't know. If From Reichman's my perspective, though, if we're talking about a dynasty format, right? Yeah. Like Buster, oh, yeah. maybe his hip yeah. is not going to make it to be a catcher yeah. for the next three years. So, definitely for a dynasty purpose, I would. I mean, if somebody were to offer me, if I had Buster Posey and somebody said, "I'll take you," I trade you Reichman for him. I'd say no. I mean, I'd say yes. I'd take him. Yeah. I'd take him over almost everybody. How about Sal, Sal Perez? Especially now with all the injury problems, and Sal Perez is starting to get old for a catcher too. And then Wilson um, Contreras. Now I'd have to think hard about. I'd probably ended up. I'd probably end up taking him, but really the only ones it'd be Sanchez and and Real Mudo that I would say no to at this point. Wow, that's yeah. high praise. It's. I just I just want to want it's it's because he has demonstrated all the things that you would want to see out of a guy who's might be the best at the position in five years. So, yeah, I just, I, so for me, the catching prospect thing, one, you've, you've alluded to it already, which is it takes a while for a catcher to adjust, to learn how to call a game, to learn his staff, to learn the major leagues in general. So I feel like being a prospect, it's hard enough to adapt and grow as a, as a minor league or as a major league player. And then you have to add all of these complicating factors of learning how to call a game or learning a staff or learning 
the signs or whatever it might be. And, and the, I know these guys have been playing it their whole life, but still, I mean, it is a lot and you're a pro at this point. So I look at it and everybody said, you know, Danny Jansen has this hit tool and everybody's saying he's going to bat, you know, 270, 280. He's going to be great. He struggled right out of the gate this year. And he had some time last year on top of all of that. So I just, to me, I get why you want to like a Joey Bart. I get why you want to buy in on a Dalton Varsho or an Adley Reichman. But to me, it's just, I look at it, I'm going to draft a guy. I know that it's going to be about three years before he really develops into anything that you really want him to be. And from a dynasty perspective, outside of pitchers, actually, catchers are probably the last piece of my team that I'm going to go out and buy. Um, they will be the piece that I'm going to say, okay, my team's ready. I'm pushing in. Let me flip a couple of my assets for a catcher and, and go with it. So I don't know. That's, that's me personally from my perspective and how I play the game. But uh, I mean, if you could see Travis's face, he just, he gets all excited about Reichman, but well, there are, I mean, like, yes, I understand. Um, there's there's a there's a few mitigating factors with catchers in general in dynasty leagues. They have shorter, they tend to have shorter careers, right? They, <coughs> excuse me, they um, and then there is there is a it, it, there's a conception that it takes them longer to get to the majors than it does other prospects. And while majority of them that is true, we very rarely see somebody who was by far the best catcher um, of the last few years. Like I can't think of any other catching prospect. Um, that is that good other than the last two I mean like you could say that you could say that Bryce Harper was a catching prospect because he played catcher at Southern Nevada right but then there's Joe Maurer and Buster Posey and each one of those guys it took them about a year maybe a year and a half to get to the majors and Maurer did it from high school and Posey did it from college so like I understand that for many catchers all learning all of that at once is really hard but you very rarely see somebody who can affect the game the way the regiment can can affect it and i think that he's maybe not on par quite on par with those guys since they're both probably hall of famers mauer and posey but he's pretty close okay all right so there's only one other name that gets that gets travis excited more than reichman and that is golden spikes award winner andrew vaughn the first base husky fella that that I feel like Travis is just going to go off on and he's going to talk all about why you need to buy in on Golden Spikes award winners and the only reason I know this is because we've recorded this three times so so Travis friend what, why do we care about the Golden Spikes award winners and, and why is Andrew Vaughn more special than Kyle Lewis and Mike Zunino who are former Golden Spikes Award winners? <clears throat> I see we're giving loaded questions. Is that is that what we're doing right now? I'm just no, bringing um, up Seattle Mariners uh, yes. players. <laughs> that would be the first reason why. Andrew <laughs> <laughs> Vaughn gets picked by the Mariners, then I might have to rethink everything. But uh, <laughs> um, generally, the track record with with um, with Golden Spikes Award winners is very high from 2000 on. Like. Uh, overall, it's pretty high in general, but especially lately, I feel like um, whoever is selecting these awards have has a better sense of not only who the best player in the country is, but how well that player will do at the next level. There have been some swings and misses, for sure. Zunino is def- is sort of a swing and miss. AJ Reid is, is, is really a swing and miss. But at the same time, Andrew Benintendi, Trevor Bauer... Chris Bryant, Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, Buster Posey, David Price, Tim Lincecum, Alex Gordon. Those guys, Mark Pryor, those uh, guys... Were... I feel like Alex Gordon, you can't really... You can't do that. Alex Gordon was very good for about uh, six seasons. Six six months. You're right. Six seasons. Six he was a, he was a great left fielder. Great, great, easy. All right, easy. Yeah, he was a he was a fantastic fielding left fielder and he hit really well. I don't I don't have a league where I have fielding values as a as a category. I don't know about you, but like okay, so anyway, I don't want to detract from our friend Andrew. Andrew Vaughn. Why why is he exciting? Andrew Vaughn, I mean if you're going to if you're going to compare him to Kyle Lewis and to Mike Zizino, he's definitely a more finished product than the other two. I mean, Kyle Lewis came from a smaller school too which does make it harder for you to judge how well he's going to do against um, 
against minor league competition. I mean, like they're I'm not going to say that that guys from small schools can't come out and do well. I mean, over the last ten years, I'd say I can name off probably nine that have done well. One of them is Bryce Harper because uh, he came from JC, right? Like Mitch Haniger came from Cal Poly. Aaron Judge was Fresno State. Bradley Zimmer was San Francisco. Uh, Keston Harua was uh, from UC Irvine. Kyle Freeland, Evansville. Jeff Hoffman, East Carolina. So, like, there are guys that um, can translate what they do well against uh, worse competition uh, to better competition. Like, that's that's certainly a thing. But, like, it's rare. Like, that. I mean, I, I can name off, you know, like, nine or ten of those guys, but that's also in, like, nine or ten years. It's just the, the, the numbers aren't as good just because it's easier to get a, a, a really, really good stats and perform well when you're not playing against good a competition. That being said, Andrew Vaughn plays against, if not the best competition in, in college baseball, then the second best competition. It's it's kind of debatable right now whether or not the Pac-12 or the SEC is the better conference. I mean, the Pac-12 has has three top team, three teams in the top ten, and one of and two of them are the top two teams. That being uh, Stanford and um, and um, UCLA. But like. Andrew Vaughn is, has been fantastic. He wasn't as good as last year. He hasn't been as good as last year when he won the Golden Spikes, but this year he's batting 360. He's got an OBP of 530. He's got an OPS of 1251. He's got nine home runs. His uh, he's got tw- his uh, walk rate is 23%. His strikeout rate is 13%. He's, he is a very professional hitter already. He's not the kind of guy that you usually see at a college that has power. And by that, I mean usually guys that come out of college and have power do not have the control over the strike zone that this this guy shows. He's not, he's not just able to take pitches that aren't out of the zone. He's able to take pitches that are in the zone that he knows aren't he cannot make good, solid contact on. And that is an extremely rare um, ability at almost any level, but especially at college. And that's why I gush about Andrew Vaughn. Okay. All right. So, of the names that we talked about, he's by far the one that you're most excited about. Uh, yeah. Yes. I yeah. I would say so. I mean, like him and Reichman. If I got if I had one pick in a uh, in a draft and I got either one of those, I'd be really happy with it. Let's just put it that way. I mean, like, I I wouldn't be bummed that I got one over the other. Now, if I had the first pick, I'd be kind of pissed because then I'd have to realize that I only get one. And then I'd have to pick myself, but um, you pick yourself over those two. I, That's pretty yeah, egotistical, well, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you're just good at everything. You got to bet on yourself, but I appreciate that. <laughs> Nobody else is gonna bet on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the, those those two guys are are by far one and two, and I think you're starting to see that. And like, I think Baseball America says the same thing, and so does Fangraphs. Like, they're they're all starting to come around that these two guys. Are guys that you know you when you when you think about the last like four years, there are a few guys that have been able to come in and play within a year, like Andrew Benintendi, Kyle Schwarber. Um, who's another one? There's a couple more that I, now I'm blanking on. But anyway, uh, Kyle Wright's one of those, I guess. Although that, that p- pitching is not it's a little bit harder. But there are a few hitters that have been able to come out of college and basically be in the pros within a year. Uh, I would think I think Vaughn is pretty close to that. Like I, I mean, like I would be surprised if he came in and was hitting in the majors a year from June, right? Like, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets drafted in June, he's invited to spring next year, and then the year after that he's got a roster spot. Like that doesn't that would not surprise me. Uh, same thing with Reichman. Same thing. If he was the starting catcher in after two spring trainings from now. Like, I wouldn't be blown away. He's just that finished. Both of those guys are. All right. Um, do you have any names that are kind of under the radar right now that you want people to just kind of keep an eye on as the College World Series approaches? Um, let me think. There's a – let me see. Yeah, actually, I do have a couple of guys that um, might be useful to some, to some – um, People, let me pull him up. Um, Alec Manoa, a out of West Virginia, Big Twelve guy. Um, while we were talking about guys who 
how how shallow this pool is for college pitchers. Alquinell was one of those guys who could end up being uh, <coughs> a quick starting um, a, a quick starting pitcher that that uh, just kind of dominates early on and, and gets and gets a spot uh, with a with a pro team pretty quickly. Um, he has a very solid repertoire. He's got, I would say. Uh, his slider is maybe the best in the in the draft, and that includes out of high school pitchers as well. His fastball is pretty good too. Um, I would say it's one of the top five in the draft. So that combination right there already makes him one of the better pitchers. Um, his control is a little bit more shaky, and his third pitch, the change is 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 definitely a work in progress. But if if any of that really changes at all, he could move fast. Okay. Any other names? Um, yeah, there's uh, Bryson Stott out of UNLV. Oh God! He, what? That's such like a millennial, like Gen Z name, Bryson. Hi, <laughs> hey Bryson, you want to come over and play PlayStation with me, Bryson? I, do you want to vape with me, Bryson? Like it just, I just, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm old. <laughs> And the kids aren't playing PlayStation, but they're playing what's that game where everyone walks around hitting or uh, shooting at each other? Fortnite. Fortnite. There we go. That's Bryson's, that's a better. Bryson is definitely in on some Fortnite, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, Bryson's thought he's he could be a top ten pick. Um, the way he's hitting right now, the thing that the thing that everybody likes about him is he has an advanced approach. Um, he can hit he can hit for average, and the power's starting to show. He's a big guy for an infielder. He could he could end up playing second or short, maybe short. I'm not. I mean, like that's a possibility. Although I'm not convinced. He could play anywhere. He could play in the. He's definitely going to play in the infield. It's just a matter of where. Um, but he's got a good bat. He's he's got he's uh, he's got some speed, but those tools are going to play pretty well, um, pretty quickly. I'd say that's about it when it comes to college hitters okay all right do you want to have a moment of silence briefly to quickly transition over to mike clevenger and louis severino are you are you worried about either of them now from a dynasty perspective i've always been kind of worried about louis severino i'm not a huge fan of his um i think that his i i love clevenger it's a bum i i'm kind of bummed to see him even though i don't have many in my leagues it's a bum i'm bummed to see him have that back problem um just because I really like watching him pitch, but Severino, on the other hand, I I was in on early, and I watched a lot of him coming up to the minors. And the thing that I don't like about him is that he doesn't change his approach to adjust to what pitchers are working for him, or if his control is working for him. He just kind of is like the most bullish pitcher you'll ever see, and so he just gets hammered. Um, and that hasn't changed when things aren't working, and that hasn't changed since he's gotten to the majors. And I think that's going to especially be a problem since he's kind of on the smaller side and he has to try a little bit harder to maintain that velocity. If that doesn't, once that starts to go, and with injuries that can go quicker than normal, um, that worries me. Like he could go, it could go bad for him very fast in the next couple of years if he if he continues to have small, even just small injury problems. You saw it with Tim Lincecum. Tim Lincecum's a different case because he had such an unorthodox delivery that relied on every every inch that he had to generate that long stride to get a velocity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an extreme example of that, but at the same time, all it's going to take for, for Severino to kind of to kind of go from being an ace caliber guy to being not really all that usable at all is like two miles an hour off his fastball because of how he pitches, it, which is to say that when things aren't going well for him, he still tries to throw everything in the strike zone. And that's why you never see him get more walks or more or more more or less strikeouts when he's doing bad. It's because he just decides that I'm going to throw it the way I always throw it, and if you hit it, that's fine. And then people, if it's not there, they just start hitting it. Who are you? Who are you more concerned about, uh, Luis Severino or uh, a guy who said he's never felt more lost on the mound in his life than he did today, Chris Sale? <coughs> I think I'm more concerned about Chris Sale because he has more to lose, I guess. I mean like I I watched that I watched that game today too. It seemed it's funny when you see him he, he has that he has such a funky delivery, right? That like it still takes teams an inning or two 
to kind of figure out or to kind of see the ball well enough to hit him generally. So you'll get you if you watch the announcers, they're all like, "Oh, he's still got it working today." It's like you know it's going to go bad for him if he's if he's at ninety three miles an hour. Um, it's just a matter of time, and it ended up obviously doing that. I'm I'm very concerned about him um, when they, especially when you start hearing different things. Like first it's a shoulder thing, now it's because he's sick. Um, it's because he hasn't been warmed up. It's because he didn't get started right away. Like. I don't think it's not – it's not just that he's lost. I think the Red Sox are lost. They, they have no idea what's going on. Um, that really concerns me. Yes. Yeah, he's at that 1,500-inning plateau. And if you've looked into this at all, that 1,500-inning mark is where you start seeing guys decline in a steep way. I mean, there are very few guys that buck that trend, like a Verlander and a Scherzer. But you have these guys that um, have – violent deliveries um, or are just kind of like bears out there and and you have guys like Felix Hernandez uh, your guy King Felix and uh, Clayton Kershaw and when they hit these 1500 mile uh, inning pitch milestones they start to decline and that's kind of where sale is right now so yeah maybe the Red Sox are smart uh, and they gave him an extension and they knew what they were doing you also have to keep in mind that it's Dave Dombrowski, and he kind of throws stupid money at stupid things sometimes. So, I mean, the you're, the people who are like, well, the Red Sox front office thinks that, that it's okay. This isn't the Theo Epstein front office. This is the Dave Dombrowski front office. So just keep that in mind as we move ahead and, and kind of keep that as a watch. But I agree with you, Travis. I, I If it were me, I'm the most worried about sale. Um, just because he's hit that milestone and he's at that age. So it's something to consider moving ahead. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, if, if it were if it were me and the Red Sox were playing the way that they're playing now in like June, I would shut him down for the rest of the year. Yeah. Just so you know that he's healthy coming up. And then the next- Orioles win. And then- the, yeah. The and then you can see what he's got. You can see if he still has it next spring. Like that, there's there's no excuse at that point. Like if he's not hitting 96, he just doesn't have it anymore. If he's if he's been off for half a year, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and he can adjust, and, and pitchers do. Like David Price adjusted, and he got better after his kind of off season, off year, and that's going to happen. But you know, it's it, we'll see what. Ha- I'm not totally out on sale. I'm just worried, and he's not going to be the guy that we always thought that he was. Anyway, all right, Travis, any other closing thoughts before we end this? What are you working on? Like what are you writing? What do you what what should the people out there be looking for when they when they seek out Travis Shear's name? When's this coming out? Uh probably on what's today? Today's Tuesday. Today well now it's Wednesday night. here in, in East Coast. Oh, it will okay. be out on Thursday morning. Okay. So yeah, I'll be on the Thursday morning that Right now, I'm doing the uh, the Dynasty Top 100, which is uh, which unlike unlike most Top 100s, I include uh, guys who haven't been drafted in mine and prospects, which you don't really see very often. And I and I and I and I try to give them the same value that you would see them go on draft day, um, because I think that a lot of a lot of Dynasty rankings don't if you if you were to follow dynasty rankings in a dynasty draft, you would never end up getting the prospects you want because you would be essentially th- two rounds too late. You'd think that everyone's picking early, but that's generally how how uh, how those dynasty drafts go. And I'm doing so. I'm doing the top 100. I'm doing 25 a day this week um, on on the Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So that so Thursday will be the what's that the 50 through 75 guys, and then Friday will Friday will be the uh, 75 to 100 guys. So we need to talk about this really quick since you brought it up, and, and I'm I don't want to fight with you. I, do, I don't want to. fight Are you sure? No, I don't. I you know I respect you, and and I appreciate all the hard work that you do, but the idea that you did not list Manny Machado in the top twenty of twenty-five, of top twenty-five. My bad. Excuse me. My bad yep. is is by far the most uh, atrocious. <laughs> baffling and uh, ridiculous thing that I've ever seen in my life. And okay. I want you to apologize to me for 
what you've done, like the way that you've made me feel. You should own this, and and I, I will sit back and wait for you to apologize for saying you're you're right. It was an oversight. Manny Machado does belong in the top twenty-five, and go. Uh, I'm not going to apologize. I feel pretty good about the way I made you feel, actually. I think I made a lot of people, judging by my Twitter account, feel the exact same way. Um, since Manny Machado will be out already by the time the one with him will already be out at this point anyway, I can explain to you why I feel why I feel about Machado. I yeah, don't. yeah. Why don't you explain it to the people? Yeah. So like, um, as a as a shortstop, he has tremendous more value. If he was playing shortstop from here for the next five years, he might probably would have been in the top twenty-five. But since he's playing going back to third base. I think there are eight, maybe ten third basemen that can do the exact same thing he can do. Name them. Go. Um, so let's see. There is Arenado. There's uh, Ramirez. There's um, Suarez. No. There's Rendon. Maybe. Look at Suarez's numbers. They're, just, they're the exact same. Suarez is trash. Next. Okay. There's Rendon. There's Vlad Jr., there's um, who else? I feel like I'm missing a couple. There's that's five. That's well, I'm we're gonna say four. But go ahead. You got you got. I'll give you five more. <laughs> okay, let me hold on. Let me get it. Let me actually since we're doing this, I'm gonna look. No, it no, up. no. You I should have this in the back of your head right now. I mean, this is this is something where hey, you have I got, to. I got five right off the bat. You better you better be ready when they come at you because I'm coming at you hard. This is. It was ridiculous. When I saw this, I said, Travis is just looking for the clicks. That's what Okay, there's two, there's two parts to this. I really do believe this. I don't think he's going to be as valuable as as, as many people think. One, and, that, and part of it is because he's going to um, he's going to San Diego. I think that's going to put it, that's going to drop pretty much everything just a little bit. And just a little bit is, is a lot. It means quite a bit when you are in a such a deep position like third base. There are so many. There are so many viable third basemen out there. This out there right now. Um, also, I think Machado's overrated. To be honest, I think um, you're overrated. He's only had one season where he's had 900 OPS. One. There are. You know. You know how many Suarez has had? Also one. So you hit. He's trash. He's done it in fewer seasons. Also, Machado's. What you're talking about? 900 OPS. Manny's been fantastic. Though, like you, like the idea that we're going to compare Suarez to Manny Machado just on OPS alone seems kind of silly. Well, let's compare them on OBP. They're about the same there too. How many home runs does? Uh, do, what's what's uh, a Eugenio Suarez's career high home run rate? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you have to look that up. I'm I'm looking up third baseman here. Okay, I'll I'll give you some names. Okay, uh, Rafael Devers. No, he's not on the list. Matt he's Chapman. Not, he's not above. What? Matt Chapman. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's there. Yeah, okay. Okay. Javier Baez. No, he's a shortstop. He still qualifies for third. No, come on. If you're going to tell me, if you're going to say, no, 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 you cannot do this. You cannot have it both ways. If you're going to tell me that Manny Machado is going to move to third base and so we should not qualify him at shortstop, you cannot say, well, Javier Baez is going to qualify at third base over the next five to ten years. He's going to qualify at shortstop because he's a shortstop. If you want them to play at the position that you think that they're going to play most at, you need to say shortstop or third base. You can't say, well, he's going to have both. Okay, so that if you want to do that, that still gives me, what, six or seven? Um, with Bryant, Rendon, Ramirez, Breg- how about Alex Bregman? How about him? Okay, Alex Bregman. I'll give you that. Let's put that. So that's three, four, five, six. And then you don't like Suarez, even though I do. Matt Chapman, I mean, he's one of those guys that, that could or could not. I'm not I'm not going to say either way. The other ones I'm going to say yes. They're they're just as good or better. Okay. And then um Miguel Anahar is also in that conversation. Along with he's in the he's in the same tier I would I would say as Matt Chapman, right? Like um I'm not going to say that he's better, but I'm not going to say that he's much worse either. Um also have you looked at have the rate at which uh, Machado gets on base? His on base percentage is like is like three thirty three. That's not very good for a guy who's supposed to be an elite hitter. He had and one season so- that he had one season that brought him down. But uh, if you take out the twenty seventeen season, which really he still posted thirty three home runs and almost hundred RBIs, 
he, I mean, and those are counting stats, and I get it. Like, we want to talk about the 260 average and all of that, but 2017 was an aberration, right? He had a, so you mean I want to take out part of his career that was his career? No, I'm just saying, like, you look <laughs> at the totality of his, his career, and you're saying, okay, well, if we if we look at that and account for that, every every bad, every pitcher, every player will have a bad year, right? Mm-hmm. And we could just bake that in. He still had a very good year in his bad year. He had a 265 BABIP in 2017. He's never had below a 300. Yeah, but at the same time, if we're going to say that every player has a bad year, that means they're all on the same level, and his OBP is still not very good. His then. OBP outside of that was was right around three. Okay, this past year in 2018, he had a 367 OBP. Yeah, that was also the only year he had a nine. He, he had a 900 OPS, and guess what year that was? A contract year. So you're saying that he was playing for the money? I well, I'm sure he's not playing just for fun. Well, I mean, yeah, but like <laughs> you, you're you're. I think you're insinuating the idea that he's playing up because he was in a contract year. I'm I am looking definitely at. It. I'm. He's yes. 26 years old. He's 26 years old. You're gonna sit there and be like, "Well, he was 25 and he should have done better," like, or 23 and he should have done better. Like he was playing way above his league, way above his grade for so long, and it really wasn't that bad. Again, 2015 he had a 360 OBP. 20, 2018 he had a 367 OBP. Right now this year, 50 50 at bats, 50 plate appearances. Yes, I get it. 370 OBP. Like, he's not bad. And what's his OPS? His OPS? I don't yeah. Know. What are we looking at? OPS. 800. That's what it is. Are we upset about that's that? That's what he is. Yeah, that's what he is. That's what he is? He's a he's a guy that ha- that gets an 800 OPS, which is, there's a lot of those guys. I don't know if he's a guy that gets an 800 OPS. He's a guy that gets an, he, last year he had a 905 OPS. Yeah, the one year, his whole career, he's eight twenty two. So that's that's not an elite player. I'm sorry, not in fantasy. His defense makes him. I mean, like, I'm not going to say that the contract was terrible because he plays great defense at third base. There's a, there's another aspect to it, but fantasy wise, he is way overrated for what he actually produces. Now, if he produces like he did last year, on the majority of his years, then sure, I think he's definitely worth being in the top twenty five. But he doesn't. Most of the time, he doesn't even come close. Like he doesn't. Like he's only come. He's only come within twenty points of an nine hundred OPS once before that. Before last year. Do you know how many times that Eugenio Suarez has had a nine hundred OPS? Once. Never. Oh, was it? What was it like? It was like uh, eight ninety nine. Eight ninety two. Oh, okay. So it wasn't nine hundred though. Okay. So he's never had a nine hundred OPS. That's all I'm saying. Oh, so I guess said that his his. Do you know how many? Do you know how many OPS seasons that Eugenio Suarez has had? Zero. Do you know how many that Manny Machado has had? At least one. How many seasons? How many seasons of what? I, I, how many seasons has Manny Machado had an OPS of nine hundred or more? One. One, which is one more than Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, I guess that his. I guess I can take consolation the fact that Eugenio Suarez's would be the second best OPS of Machado's career. Travis, thank you for coming on. <laughs> A pleasure as always. <laughs> Was that a good enough apology for you? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I accept your apology, and okay. I accept your apology on behalf of all of our listeners and all of our readers. Thank you, are, thank you, Travis, for admitting your mistakes. There is one thing that I will say now: like San, San Diego fans get a get a bad rap that they don't that they you know that like, it's so nice out there that nobody like nobody pays attention to baseball, or whatever. I got a lot of people that were not happy about it. They are they love their Padres, and that's great. So that's the one thing I took out of this. Not that I, not that I'm not valuing Machado correctly, but I have a lot more respect for San Diego fans, let's put it that way. I love I love my I love my Manny Machado, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. Alright, hey, how did you do in your in your pitcher league? How how'd you do this last week? Oh, in the I tied five five. You tied five five. You had the weirdest team stat in the futures league. I know. I yeah, I put that in because it, it it is weird to not have a single win in 70-whatever innings. <laughs> Pitchers threw 75.2 innings in the first week to the tune of a 3.33 ERA and a 1.03 whip, but somehow did not garner a single staff win. 
I don't know how that's possible. Oh my gosh, that is bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I uh, I still really like I like my team in that league. I think that's going to be good. My my PL league team. Oh, let's talk about your team. Let's talk about your team really quick, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. What's okay. going on with your team? Yeah, let me let me pull them up here and all. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, the, the the reason why there there is kind of a reason why you wouldn't see me get a lot of wins, and that's because I have a lot of younger pitchers uh, that don't go as deep. Like I have I have uh, Paddock and I have Urias, and uh, I have Robbie Wright who doesn't go deep into games. I also have Tyone, you know, like. I have guy, and then I do, and then I uh, rely on a lot of relievers to to pad my strikeout set. So yes, there's a reason why I don't get many wins, but still, that's a lot of innings to not get one win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like my hitting; it's all it's made up of very solid uh, hitters. I've got Ostadio at center, who's obviously done very well for himself to start with. At center, at catcher. All right, catcher. Okay, oh, okay unless got, he's playing center now, and in which case I want to know. He can do anything. Yes, he can. <laughs> uh, my first baseman's Goldschmidt. I got I got Witt at uh, second, Bregman at third, Correa at short. Uh, my outfield is taking a hit lately. Uh, Puig hasn't done much. I got Hanniger, Franmo, um, Clint Frazier, and uh, I got Shohai waiting in the wings to start, and at my second utility spot with, along with Miguel Cabrera, who's starting to pick it up, and then Nick Senzel's waiting in the background. That's my uh, that's pretty much my team. Hmm. Interesting. It's not a big power team like that. Was, I mean, that's kind of the one thing I wish I had was one big power hitter. I just have a lot of guys who are going to hit decent average and okay power. So I have on my team an offensive juggernaut, um, and uh, my whole draft strategy was basically to draft batters the entire way through, which is something that I did in the dynasty league, um, and then put together a pitchers. Uh, like an amalgamation of pitchers. So last week, uh, I'm just going to read off the, the article. I had an unbelievable week on both offense and on the mound on my way to dominate to an 8-2 win over Jamie Sayer. Eat it, Jamie. Lawler's hitters look very well, very balanced, as they matched a league-high 23 home runs and led all teams with 12 stolen bases. He also managed a 3.22 ERA and a 1.11 whip. I only lost wins and Ks which is something that I am okay punting on because those are lucky – well, wins are lucky stats. But uh, Yeah, I have, are not lucky stats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have uh, Peter Alon- I have Pete Alonzo, Gary Sanchez, Jose Ramirez, Mike Moustakas, Tim Anderson, Charlie Blackman, Will Myers, Michael Conforto, Jonathan VR, and then on my bench I have a Michael Franco, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez, and Jeff McNeil right now. Um, and then for my pitchers, I have Edwin Diaz, a very bad Rafael Iglesias, which I'm kind of worried about. Jose mm-hmm. Alvarado, Brandon Woodruff, Colin McHugh, Brad Brad Peacock, who I got to drop and figure something out with him. Stephen Matz, Jameson Tyon, who has not been great either, and Julio Urias. I am very pleased with my team. I think I'm going to smoke these players coming up here. I don't know who I'm playing this week. Who are you playing? Uh, who am I playing? Let me look up. I am playing the team called Not Dan, which I think is Dave. I think is um, Dave McNamara. Um, it is. We have we have um, three Daves or three Dans in our league. I think it's Dave McNamara. All right, I got no, Dave Fishman. Dave Fishman. I am playing <laughs> Wallace. You're playing. Wallace, I don't know. Okay. Who's that? Who are you? Stay, <laughs> show yourself. All right. Well, hey, we'll kind of keep you up to date on that as time goes on. And like I said, there's going to be some fun stuff coming out over the next few weeks. Keep a lookout for Travis's apology about Manny Machado because uh, that's coming out very soon as well. Um, Travis, thank you so much for coming on again, and thank you for staying up past your bedtime. And you as well. It's much later for you. All right, All right man. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, right, right. Bye bye. Fast